0: Welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast, Episode 80. My
1: name is Alina Warwick, and today we have Amanda Ma on the show. Definitely hard at first, just because one, I did not understand the language. You know, I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't speak. And that, did, you know, and even though at the time I was 10 years old, but even being at school, so I had to go through ESL. Amanda came to the United States with her family
0: at 10 years old from Taiwan. She went to college and studied business, but because her father was an entrepreneur, she aspired to be one herself. One day, she quit her corporate job and at 24 years old, started her company, Innovate Marketing Group. They are an award-winning live and virtual experience agency that provides full service event and activation for Fortune 500 companies. Since COVID hit, they were able to pivot and launch over 120 virtual events. Through Amanda's leadership, the company has flourished into one of the most distinguished live and virtual experience agencies, both locally and nationally. Amanda has over 16 years of experience in business, event management, and marketing industry. She's been featured on Inc., BizBash Meetings Today, and many other news mediums. She was recently named top 100 most influential people in the event industry globally by Event X. BizBash also featured her as one of the top 500 most influential event professionals in the United States. She is a big champion for diversity and inclusion. She's also worked with the President Administration and Secret Service on several different events, and her thriving business is still growing. So let's dive right in and hear all about her journey. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. I truly appreciate your time, and I'm so excited to hear all about your journey. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much excited to be here today. So let's talk about your immigrant journey. Tell us where you're from and when did you come to the United States?
1: So I was originally from Taiwan and I moved here when I was 10 years old with my family.
0: Okay and why did your parents move from Taiwan to America?
1: In pursuit the American dream but also just due to work. So we decided to move here as a family versus just you know, my dad coming here by himself.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. So what
1: was it like growing up in Taiwan? Oh my gosh. Taiwan's amazing. <laughs> it's uh-huh. so fun. If you have never been, I grew up in Taipei, Taiwan, which is the city. So okay. I'm definitely a city girl. And it just, Taiwan's like full of warm people. It's a small, you know, country. So everybody's just very warm and there's amazing night markets that you could travel to and visit, that has the best food. Taiwan was a wonderful place to grow up in as a kid. So I was very sad to leave when, you know, my parents told me we're moving to America because of our family business.
0: Okay, so was the business expanding and then your dad wanted to come to the United
1: States to expand it? Sort of. I mean, there are many different opportunities, but they also just say... Coming out here will give us more opportunities as well.
0: Okay. And did they know anyone in the United States when they first immigrated?
1: Yes. My uncle had, they came first. So they were already here. (laughs) They were just nice, but they were our only other family that we knew that were here. So we hung out with them a lot. So what about English? Did your parents
0: know any English before coming out here?
1: They did not. And they put us in, you know, English schools. And I definitely wish I pay more attention because when we <laughs> moved here, I think I left with hello, apple, banana and thank you and hot dog. And that was it. <laughs> And I was like, oh, why did I didn't pay more attention in class.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so how did you guys get situated? How did you guys find housing? What kind of jobs did your parents take in the beginning?
1: So my dad actually came here first and he, okay. you know, bought a house, get, got situated. And once he got situated, then we came. So by the time we came, there was, you know, we are we moved immediately to a house my dad you know, has a family business, so my mom was a housewife, which worked out well because she didn't know how to drive here, nor in the beginning did she want to learn. So <laughs> she did drive us around everywhere and in America. So that's a big difference between Taiwan and America. Taiwan, you can literally walk everywhere. So most mm-hmm. people live in an apartment building. You just come down, there's a 7-Eleven, there's a supermarket, everything's like walking distance. In America and then we were right here we're like wait we want to go to the market but everywhere here you have to drive (laughs) because it's so spread out and there's all this ample space which is not something we're used to I remember even when we first arrived at our house we're like this is so large but it was just larger than our have one house, you know.
0: All right. So tell me a little bit about your journey, your immigration journey. Did you have any struggles in the very beginning? Did you feel like an outcast in a brand new country? What was that journey like for you?
1: Definitely hard at first, just because one, I did not understand the language. You know, I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't yeah. speak. And that did, you know, and even though at the time was 10 years old, but even being at school, so I had to go through ESL, which is, you know, you go, you learn English, but there are a lot of classes. I just sit there and trying to understand what they're saying. My parents also got me a tutor. So that also helped, but it was definitely hard. And I remember that there were, you know, another Chinese person in the class. I actually got so excited because I thought this person can translate for me. Turns out he is, American-born Chinese, what we call ABC. And he did not know any Chinese. And it's funny because I make fun of him. You know, we're both adults and married. And I still make fun of him because I was like, you were no (laughs) help back then. (laughs) So, Marshall, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. (laughs) It was hard. It's different, right? And there weren't a lot Mm. of Chinese food. We had to drive further to get Chinese food. And even on the markets, you know, like what my parents cook with or what my mom cooked with is different. And you can't normally you can't find those in the American market. So I remember we used to have to drive like 30 mm-hmm. to 40 minutes to go to a Chinese market to get the ingredients she wants. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely. And then just being in a new country, right, like making new friends. And I think one of the things I did a lot was just smile and then I made lots of friends that way. <laughs> what they're telling me, I, my first really good friend, she was Polish, her name was Dorothy. Yeah, I, I had a great time even just moving here, but it was definitely a transition, you know, like yeah. having to learn the new language and just being in a totally unfamiliar area. And the only family we know at the time was just our, our relative
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So g- growing up and making new friends, I'm sure that was challenging too. And like you're mentioning, there weren't a lot of, you know, Asian people around you to assimilate. And how did you deal with that? How did you start making friends and and get yourself accustomed to the American culture?
1: I think that, I mean, there's so many fascinating things about America, right? Disneyland and I mean, finding that commonality, and speaking yeah. with my classmates and just, I think swimming summer was just, you know, can I go over to your house to swim? Do you want to come over to my house to swim? You know, and just learning English. Luckily, I was 10. So, you know, the process didn't take as long. If you ask my mom, she's still learning English and it's probably been 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> and her level is still just, she's probably a little bit better than when we came. <laughs> but no my mom is the same way yes it's it's so funny she always say oh can you go translate I'm like mom like you've been here for so long she's like I know but they get my hand gestures or like (laughs) you know I'm just like oh my god you're so silly
0: Yes. All right, Amanda. So before you tell our listeners about your company tell us a little bit about the path you took, and I want to know if you tried to go into any other fields before starting your business, Innovate Marketing Group.
1: Yes, I actually, after I graduated college, I went to work in corporate America for about three years. What did you study? I studied business. Marketing and organizational behavior. I had a dual concentration. I went to corporate America. I actually started in operations. And from there, went got promoted to HR, from there, and then went into kind of the nonprofit slash event space. And it was fantastic. But I think as, you know, deep down my heart, because my dad's an entrepreneur, I really aspire to him. So I was like, okay, one day I would love to start. And then it just so happened that it was in the event industry. Mm -hmm. All
0: right. And so tell me about that transition. Did you work at the corporate and then quit and then launched your company? Or was it a side hustle in the beginning? What was that journey like for you?
1: Oh, my God. I'm an all-in girl, so all or nothing (laughs) kind of deal. So I I realized, you know, even when I work at corporate America uh, for someone else, I was definitely always early to arrive last, not last to leave, but I did not, you know, some of the coworkers, as soon as it hit six o'clock, their computer was already off and they're (laughs) on the way out. Right. But I was not like that. I really take my job at the time seriously. And I know I want to make an impact. I wanted to be a person of value no matter where I ended up. So that's Mm -hmm. exactly what, you know, I come across. And then when I started my business, You know, it was interesting because I was like, "Okay, I'm pretty good at this event stuff. You know, I'm organized. I'm a people person. And even my friends were like, oh, you'll be great at that. And I remember telling them, like, that's not even a real job. Like, who does that for a living? (laughs) You know, and then the joke is on me. Right. Because now I own this business for 15 years doing events. And it was really interesting because at the time I was like, okay, I actually started with volunteering at some events just to make sure like I could do this and also interview different people because I want to make sure it's sustainable, not just something that I'm good at, but also can, mm-hmm. you know, make money. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after I did that, I was like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. Yes, you can make money if you do it the right way. So then I quit my job and then start doing research and got a certification and put up an ad and here that was 13 years ago. So that's kind of interesting how it started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I didn't catch it. Did you say that you quit and then you went all in as volunteering and learning on how to start your business or did you do it while you were doing the nonprofit event position? Oh no, I quit. You
1: quit. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I knew I wanted to be able to focus, you know, and I didn't want to. I don't know. I just feel like there are definitely some people try to do it halfway. I'm just not that type of person. So I decided to just, you know, resign and then focus on starting my own business.
0: Okay, And was that scary for you? You had a very stable job and all of a sudden you're like at ground zero. (laughs) What was that like for you?
1: I think I was 24 at the time. So pretty young and no commitments, no kids. So I was like, I told my parents like, Hey, I'm going to start this company. If it doesn't work out, I'll just go back. (laughs) Right. I was pretty good at my job and I'm sure, you know, if you add value, people love that kind of employee. And that, so literally that was my thinking. Right. I mean, it it was literally zero because so many people were like, Oh my God, Amanda, you're starting a company. Like, do you already have clients? And I'm like, no, I have zero. And they're like, probably looking at me like, why did you already quit your job? Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy, I know. Um, But I was just like, you know, I'm going all in, right? So I want to prepare. We start setting up a website, things like that. And Mm. that's just how it started. I took a leap of faith, you know, and I was young then. I mean, some people ask me like, If I had the same choice now, would I do that, right? So maybe if I was in corporate America now earning good money, would I just go out and start a business? I probably would hesitate more just because I have a family. You know, I have more responsibility. Back then, my only responsibility was myself. So, Yeah.
0: And that's good to grasp a hold of that opportunity because a lot of young people listening, and I'm not going to say, go ahead and quit your job. That should be your own intuition, but just the same way you did it. You know, you took a leap of faith, you went full force, you jumped all in. And again, how bad could it be? You can always just go back and get a
1: job, right? Exactly. And my parents told me they're not going to kick me out. So that helped too. So I don't have Aww. to pay rent. Thank you, parents. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's a tremendous help. Cause I can't imagine if I have like to pay rent to do that, but I also made a choice to stay at home. You know, I know there are people that would ask me like, Oh, I want to start my company, but I also want to move out. I'm like, you have to make sacrifices. Right. So right. while a lot of my friends went out clubbing, all these things, I spent a lot of time doing research, building up my company. You know, I still had a great time. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not at the clubs every weekend.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Amanda. So tell us a little bit more about Innovate Marketing Group and what you guys do.
1: We're an expense agency, and fo- that focus on specializing in event management, design. So we truly curate the whole experience from beginning to end. We do a lot of corporate events like conferences, hotel openings, and we work with really fantastic brands like TikTok, East West Bank, and Honda. And mm-hmm. our, my vision for this company, you know, when I started was we, through events and through the experiences we built, we can change people's lives for the better. Mm-hmm. One event at a time. And that's exactly what we're doing daily. So looking back, really proud of what we have accomplished and what we do, you know, because people come to event, we don't want to, I don't want them to just come to event. I want them to experience so that people come usually, one, they don't want to leave our event because they're having so much fun, or two, they walk away like, oh, wow, that was a really good event. Yeah. And what makes you guys stand out? You know, our team is super diverse. Uh, I think that is pretty unique because a lot, if you look at our, our team, it's very diverse and that has been beneficial. I know due to last year, a lot of companies are trying to be diverse, but we have been diverse, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that coming from different cultures, different ideas, and that's why we're so much more creative because it's just a melting pot of all the different ideas coming together. We're also very agile. So last year when the pandemic hit, we pivoted our first 1000 event for our client within three weeks. And since then, we actually did over 120 virtual events. And not many agencies can say that because the event industry was actually completely disrupted. And some of them did not survive. And then some of them just took a year off. I actually know this other agent, she's still on time off. Because they don't do any virtual events. So she had to let her people go and just hit break. We didn't do that. So we were very agile. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, we come from a place where, you know, events, even when I do the hiring, I, you know, I kind of share, always share my vision and mission first. I would say, you know, this is not the typical events company. We don't do cookie cutter events. We're really looking to make an impact through the events we curate, right? So, That's exactly like the type of people that I have at my agency. And they all think that
0: way. And so tell me, as far as events, what goes into that planning? What kind of services do you guys offer? Is it just from A to Z and food and chairs and tables and the planning, the brochures? What what types of things that go into your guys' packages? Sure.
1: We're a full service agency. You could pretty much tell us your vision, your date, and your theme, and we can plan the rest. <laughs> so nice. that's, you know, from the beginning, like securing a venue or even the virtual world is finding a virtual platform to, you know, the event design, to sourcing all the vendors, to coordinating with the vendors, and to, of course, the actual execution of the event. So we're mm-hmm. full service in that capacity.
0: I love it. And then full service in the virtual capacity too, right?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Which makes, (laughs) you know, a lot of our clients' lives so much easier, right? And so we say, we do all the work, you take all the credit.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, Amanda. So, take us through the beginning stages of your business. So, what did you do in the very, very beginning? What type of research did you do to get your business launched? To get your first clients up, and where did you go to get your resources?
1: Our first client was through an ad, and back then, there's a lot of word of mouth. Okay. Right? So we did a we did a good great job. And then people will refer us and we make sure to ask them for referrals. So it's like, you know, did you like our service? If you did, please tell more of your friends about it. And we, I leverage all the relationship I have, you know, and just looking, reaching out and say, hey, this is a service we offer. And it's kind of crazy. I mean, I still feel like I hustle, but I really hustle back then, right? Leveraging mm-hmm. every contact I have. And back then there was no Facebook. There's no I don't know if there's LinkedIn, but I remember our first client meeting, we actually printed out our inspiration board on a poster board and brought it to the meeting. Okay. So I, I know what I tell my staff now about that story. They're like, what? You printed one out? Because <laughs> now we just like send the deck or put it on the iPad, right? It's so different. we right. hook it up to the big TV. I was like, no, I pretty much legitly printed out you know, even when we used to do press submission, we had to burn all the pictures onto a CD and then write all the copy onto paper and then print it. It's a whole process, right? So I tell my team, I'm like, you guys have it easy. You just hit submit and upload, <laughs> okay? We used to have to do so much more. Yeah. So you, you got it easy. Yeah, I mean, not to say we, you know, and it was funny because I remember at that first client meeting, we I had already set everything up and literally the client we, we met at a cafe because I didn't have an office yet for that first client. And then they arrived and they say, Oh, actually, can we sit at that table instead? So I had to move all my setup to another table. And I was like <laughs> thinking back, I was like, oh my gosh. But I did get an office pretty early on, I think like within the first six months, because I realized I'm that type of people that need that prop like professional environment. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was grateful. My parents let me work at home. But then I realized even at home, I would dress up. Right. So, wow. I, yeah, I was dressed up because I realized when I was wearing pajamas, I'm in pajama mentality. I'm in, yes. I'm tired, I'm casual, I'm relaxing. But when I change, you know, then I'm like, oh, I'm in my work mentality. So mm-hmm. even during the pandemic, when I was working at home, because I had to send my whole team to work remotely, I would dress up or at least half, right? Yeah. And then that way my mentality is I'm working. So when you first launched, did you
0: have a storefront? Did you have a website? Or what were the beginning stages looking like for you?
1: We got a f- high school friend to make our website. I think it okay. was like $300. Nice. it was so affordable because he's just a web genius and then he's just like okay let me help this poor girl <laughs> like who's starting <laughs> you know and it's so funny because our, our website has gone through so many evolutions but to right. think back like what that first one looked like I even have I even made business cards and some of my close friends they have different versions of my business card. <laughs> and then they would laugh they're like oh you know from 15 years ago that was so different <laughs> but yeah we literally started with a website and a laptop and we just got and then yes yeah, so we played some ads and then we just started you know I think for me it was just like I just gotta get started because a lot of people what I what I was really good at is putting it into motion mm-hmm. right a lot of people are just thinking thinking like I want to do this but they don't get into motion for me I did it backwards. Kind of like, I can do it. And I just start doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that helps a lot. Yes. You
0: know? Okay, you got your website started. How long did you get your first client? Was it a couple of months, a couple of weeks?
1: A couple of months. I would say like two to three months. We must okay. have a, wrote a very good copy because we met the client. And, you know, we pretty much just told the client, you're... First client, well, I don't know if we said first client, but we said, you You know, we just started this, the business, which they knew. So we said, you'll get really good pricing. And then you have someone who's completely, like, just so enthusiastic for your event. <laughs> and I'm going to do my best, absolute best, right? And back then, they're our only client. <laughs> so all oh, your wow. attention is, and they took a chance on us, which I'm super grateful for, mm-hmm. you know, and then kind of just roll ball from there and then you get another and then the pitch becomes easier right because people will be like what's your experience how long have you been doing this you know but luckily I had some like volunteering even in college I was always involved with different organizations and then coordinating but back then I was just doing that for fun so I didn't think it was like work or it's a profession right I was just I mean I was coordinating events between my school Boston University with Harvard and MIT and Boston College and but to me that was just for fun.
0: Okay, so tell me, did when you quit your job, your your 9 to 5 job, did you have any savings to start your business and did you have to raise any capital?
1: I had some savings, but you know, we got a really good deal for my friend made it for the website for $300. A laptop wasn't that expensive. I think the most biggest investment was the ad that we placed. And, you know, I lived at home, so that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then my parents did want to invest, but I told them I really want to try to do it myself mm-hmm. so that I could look back, you know, and I knew I could always go to them if I needed help. But I said, let me just try doing it myself and see where it goes. And they kind of, It kind of worked out. So I never had to ask them. And I'm grateful for that because, you know, I know when I first started the business, they were like, what are you studying? Why are you (laughs) leaving your job like that? You're doing really well at and starting this events business, you know, and they're like, you're going to do parties for people. And I'm like, no, I don't do parties. I'm going to do events. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what's the difference? So yeah, I love it. There's there's
0: so many people, so many guests on my show that are so afraid to tell their immigrant parents that they're uh-huh. quitting their stable job because, you know, our parents brought us here for safety, for security, for stable jobs, for good education. And then one day you're like, oh, I'm going to just throw that all away and start my own business. And then they start freaking out. They start panicking. They're like, no, no, no. We don't want you to go backwards. We want you to go forward. Yeah. So sometimes my guests don't even tell their parents until like years later. By the way, I started a new business three years ago. (laughs) So Amanda, tell me, did you have any mentors that helped you out to start your business? So I know you said you started at 24 years old. Did you figure this
1: all out by yourself or did you get some help? Definitely not. I did not figure it all out by myself. I have many mentors and one of them definitely includes Included my dad, cause just cause he's also a businessman himself. And along the way, I was grateful. I mean, my first mentor was actually the property manager at the office space I rented. And you know, I got to meet him, and this is an office space in South Pasadena. And I was just like, wow, he's so successful. You know, he runs property like in South Pasadena and all these other ones. So I say, like, hey, would you mind? If I pick your brain or can you be my mentor? Right. And I love what he shared with me at the time. It was like, perfect, because I was just starting and I was in South Pasadena. So he said when he started his business, he became like the person in that certain area. Right. Mm -hmm. So he said, Amanda, you should be the best event planner or best event agency in Pasadena or South Pasadena. And then from there, you expand out your zone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And if you're really good, people will hear about you. And that's exactly, and I took his advice and ran with it. And then mm-hmm. literally we became on the preferred vendor for a lot of venues in Pasadena. So like the Langham, the Weston, they were all referring us business, right? Because mm-hmm. they knew we were a top-notch agency. That was great. And then from there, the you know, we just grew that zone, and then mentors, you also have to adjust, right? Cause when you grow, then your mentors, you probably want different ones. So I, I was very fortunate and I learned to ask for a mentor. I know sometimes that's hard. And in the beginning, I diff- I diff- there's one mentor I still remember. I asked her, she said no. And I was like, oh, like so, <laughs> so disappointed because I look Aww. up to her so much and she say no. Right? But then I realized, you know what? She just said no because she could be busy at the time and I just mm-hmm. had to keep asking. So then that's what I did. And then I ended up, you know, go, I, I have many, many great mentors, even my value system. One of my mentors mm-hmm. taught me that. She said, if you are a value, anywhere you go, you're going to be an asset. And that, mm-hmm. that stayed with me for so many years. And I now share that with some of my mentees, you know, I say, but you have because you have to look at where you bring value. How do you bring value? Yes. And where can our listeners find these super
0: awesome mentors?
1: They show up in different walks of life, I have to say. Like, yeah. so one was my property manager? Manager. Some of these I actually met at speaking engagement because they were speaking on the panel so that I would like go home, look them up. One was actually one of our clients, but she was very high up in the company. So I was like, hey, like, you know, and some sometimes I think saying mentor could be a huge commitment. So I was like, like, can you be my unofficial mentor, right? But if they like you, they feel like they're making an impact. They kind of became my official mentors. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then so just how you, and then doing informational interviews helps also. I know, I do that a lot for different people that reach out that want to start their own business or start in the event industry. So I try to pay it forward cuz mm-hmm. you know I think that's important.
0: So I know you mentioned you placed an ad when you first launched your business. Was that like a newspaper ad or what kind of ad did you use?
1: It was website for the event industry very specifically. So okay. there was an ad. I think it was like $2,000. At the time, which was a lot. Yeah. But it was for like, we want to make sure it's out there, right? So we did make sure we make that investment where it's like, okay, this is going to make an impact. And it worked. So we kept buying the ads because we did get clients from it. So.
0: And what about now? What kind of marketing do you do? Do you do any Facebook
1: ads, Google ads, Instagram ads? What's working for you guys? Our biggest client generator is actually referrals. So we do do like very minimal Google ads and Facebook ads, but those actually don't, those are more like brand awareness. We rarely have people come and say, oh my God, I saw your ad on Facebook or I saw your ad on Google. (laughs) It's usually like, oh my God, I heard about you from Kalika or I heard about you from, you know, Maria or from TikTok or from East West Bank and I was at your event and that was great. So you know, we would love to do something like that. Let's talk, you know. So yeah. that's kind of usually the pro And we love referrals because they really already come trusting us. And then we know we kind of set ourselves up for success, right? They either sing us in action or they're referred by someone that's trusted. And we really are big on making sure we take care of our clients, you know, like yes. every contract that we sign, I don't. I even with partners, I never think just think like, oh, this is a one time deal. Like I think long term. Yes. You know, it's like oh, this is I can I can see them. And some of these clients, we started with them when they're two hundred people, and now they're probably like at eight hundred people, right? So we grow together. So it's pretty exciting to think it to look at it that way. And it's so
0: important to understand that a lot of people right now are more focused on Facebook ads and Instagram ads and, you know, going out there and Twitter and just being out there, although that may be important for certain industries. But like you said, quality speaks volumes. So... We have to really hone in on our quality and taking care of our communities, taking care of our customers and forget about the Facebook ads and Instagram ads. And those are also really, really expensive, but referrals are still working and speaking volume of just the quality that we provide and the customer service we provide has to be the number one thing that we focus on in our businesses. Right, Amanda?
1: A hundred percent. And there's a quote that says, if you don't take care of your clients, someone else will. Yes. Right. So I share that with my team and it was like, whoa, you know, I thought it was just brilliant because it's true. You don't true. care about them. Someone else will. Right. So we actually recently just had a company retreat where we went through the, what we call a customer journey. And we are on track to implement four elements that's going to help elevate our customer experience.
0: And what and what are those four elements? Are you using some
1: kind of program to follow those steps? Not at all. You know, so there are just different ways you can. So, for example, when you first sign on the client, right? Uh-huh. And typically, how we work is I will sign the client. I'm the biz dev person, and then once I sign on, they get assigned to an account manager, and the account mm-hmm. manager takes it from there. But there's not too much overlap. Right. So going forward, we're actually going to do like a welcome video to kind of set ourselves, make ourselves different. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is really fun. And then what we wanted to do, we were talking about how when we do events. We spend like anywhere between two months to a year planning an event with some of these clients. You know, and sometimes our, both our clients and our team go through what we call event withdrawals, where you're yeah. just like, oh, my God, I miss talking to, you know, Alina, <laughs> because we talk to them like every week or biweekly. Right. So what we decided was, well, like we spent so much time doing the event, but not enough time celebrating. So going forward, we are implementing something, which I I can't share yet because we haven't released it yet, but we're going to do more of the celebrating with our clients. So I'm really excited. The team is excited. And I think this is just going to elevate our company that much more in terms Mm -hmm. of the customer experience.
0: I love it. So creative. I know it's going to do magic things in your business. (laughs) So I know you've been working with the White House and the Secret Service. How did you get into that?
1: It actually came about from a client. We're actually doing their event and they told us, "Okay, you know, you have to sign an NDA because we're going to do something really exclusive. And we work with celebrity and high profile people all the time. So, when we found out it was, they were like, Yeah, the president. I'm like, Okay, the president. We work with presidents all the time. They're like, No, no, president of the United States. And keep in mind, at this time when I found out I was actually in Taiwan on vacation. So, my team called me and said, Amanda, like the president's coming. I was like, Okay, that's great. She's like, No, 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 you don't understand. The president of the United States is coming. And we're like, Oh, that's a little bit different. and then you know lo and behold then of course the secret service requests come through the white house requests come through and we had to fulfill you know pretty much everything that's on the requests that come through right because whether it's for security or for logistics and that would just i remember when we finished that first event where we had the president there it was i don't know I, i just felt so accomplished and we're just at a, another level now, right? Because we dealt with this like really, really high profile caliber event. And it was the most amazing feeling in the world. And then a few months later, we, we had the vice president of the United States there. So that was awesome. Which president? Our first one was with President Trump. Okay. And then the second one with the VP was Mike Pence. And then the following year, we had the president again, because these are all political events. So then, you know, we weren't sure if he was coming. And the second year was also Trump again. So it was like. And how did they find you guys? Well, it was through the client. So it's not, you know, we work on that project for our client. And then so, you know, they say, okay, the president is coming and we just need and we're the agency. Right. So they they just say, okay, here's our event agency. And they pass. The White House and Secret Service alone, we make all the arrangements.
0: That's amazing. And again, I'm going to go back to the quality of service that you guys provide, because if not, the president is not going to be hiring someone. (laughs) The president is not going to be hiring you guys if that quality is not there. So what an accomplishment and congratulations. It's probably so, so powerful to get that under your belt. And what an amazing experience. It doesn't matter which president. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was the
1: president. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. And we actually have a lot of cabinet secretaries I was also at the event. So it was awesome. definitely
0: very exciting. Yeah. So Amanda, I know you've been featured on many, many different news mediums, BizBash, Meetings Today, just a whole lot of other news mediums. What are some tips that you can provide to our listeners to get these PR relations going or anything else you can provide as far as getting out there into the public? I would say
1: definitely look up, you know, for us, I definitely have my team focused on the event and marketing industry and also business, right, because that's who we service. So you want to look at those and look at who the editorial team is, get to know them, follow them, stop them, I mean, follow them (laughs) on LinkedIn and even look them, you know, mostly with LinkedIn, you can see so much information, right? And look at the articles they are publishing. Right. So and then from there, we also write edit articles that we submit for them to consider. And then, you know, just don't give up or whenever we do a really amazing event, like we actually just did an in-person event. And it's been more than a year since we did an in-person event. And our first in-person event happened to be for, you know, a Disney Raya theme event for API champion. So that was like extra meaningful because it's our first in-person event back and it's about, you know, the Raya, The Last Dragon, which has like such a great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, make sure you go watch it. (laughs) And then just promoting like the API talent for that specific one, right? So we wrote an article about it and yeah, we just like submit or like if we do a really great event, you talk about why. So you write it, we always write it as if so I, the way we do it is you write it so that if the editorial team like it, they could just grab it and use it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then keep it simple. Like my team used to write these like long, And I do the same thing too. I used to write these long, long emails. Thinking the more information I provide them, the better, but guess what? Those I got less traction because nobody has time to read the long emails. So now we do a different approach where we have, Like this is a takeaway. This is like the three highlight reasons why our event should be highlighted. If you would like to learn more, here is the link to the blog post or here's the link to the project, Mm -hmm. right? So if they're interested, but right away you tell them why this should be featured. Mm -hmm. And then we make sure, yeah, keep it simple. And we make sure to attach some fabulous, fabulous photos. Oh, I love it. One more thing, keep it current. You don't want to be featuring something, you know, that happened so long ago. So making sure it's current, it's relevant, right? So the fact that our our agency is diverse when the whole AAPI thing happened or all these diversity inclusion, we also wrote a piece about that too, Mm -hmm. you know, and share with the different networks that we had. And some picked it up and some didn't, right? But it was important to us that people know us as an agency who is diverse,
0: Thank you so much for sharing all that insight. I love it. So Amanda, I know you have 10 employees. Tell me about the moment you hired your first employee. How did you know to hire
1: and where did you find them? I think our, our first one was actually started out as an intern. Okay. And she was fantastic. So we offered her a job. From an, a, a college nearby or from where? Probably a college nearby because they had to come to the office. Okay. Yeah. And it was great. You definitely need staff. You can't do it alone. And that's what I realized over the years. There's only so much you could do yourself, right? You really need the company to be a team-managed company so that it can run on its own without you, right? So now when I take vacation, I don't have to worry. Like, after two weeks, like, is my company still there? It's still there because I have a team running it. And how did you know to hire more people? I mean, same thing. So I used to do all the events myself and I'm like, I, there's only so much I can do myself. And I'm right. thinking, oh, if I have more people, yes, it will cost me, you know, 50,000, 60,000 to hire someone. But if they bring in 100K worth of projects or they do 100K of projects, then I still net, you know, certain dollar, right? Mm-hmm. So just multiply that, mm-hmm. you know, and then with the... I think the very first hire, you always need to hire someone that helps you, right? And then a job a position that helps you grow your company, you know? And recently I just hired a biz dev person too, because I'm like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. I want more help, Mm -hmm. you know? I know she'll help propel, propel, propel us forward to another level.
0: And how long did it take you when you were doing it all by yourself to say, okay, I'm going to f- find help and get an intern?
1: Oh, pretty quickly. <laughs> quickly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things I am good at is I always knew, like I work hard, but I also know like I want to work smart. Right. And I just know yes. two brains is better than one. Did it take some times for me to learn how to interview well and how to hire the right person? Definitely. You know, but I knew in the beginning I needed help, and I just like people. I don't want to be myself.
0: All right, Amanda. So, how do you reinvest in yourself to keep up to date with your industry? Are you constantly reading news, books, articles? How do you stay fresh and creative on a daily basis?
1: I do all of that. So, I read books. I read the. I subscribe to probably way too many events, newsletters. I also have podcasts. So, I actually do morning walks and then doing those, my morning walks. I love to listen in on different podcasts or audio books. And I think it's definitely, you know, for entrepreneur, we have to continue to reinvest ourselves. Yes. Right. So, and then I do like different leadership program. I also, I'm currently part of EO, which is an entrepreneur organization, you know, that focus on learning and just help growing you as an entrepreneur and meeting other entrepreneurs as well. Because I feel like as an entrepreneur and just as a human being, if you stop learning, you stop growing.
0: Yes.
1: Right. And then 15 years ago versus now is so different. Like <laughs> since 15 years ago, I started two businesses, three three business ventures. You know, a lot is different. Right. Mm-hmm. We didn't have Instagram back then. We didn't have Facebook back then. And now we have TikTok, we have Clubhouse, right? I feel like there's always something new I have to learn. (laughs) Which is great. And what I learned is not every platform is for you, right? So definitely like just don't always just try to jump on the trend, like really take that time to say, okay, is this for me? Right. But what I did learn is just like Clubhouse come out. If you look us up, you'll find us because we did go in to claim our name. Whether or not I want to develop Mm -hmm. that, that's another story. Right, but at least mm-hmm. then you have the name, you know. So. Right, right.
0: And do you have a couple of book recommendations for l-
1: listeners? Oh, yes, so many. Okay. So one okay. of my favorite is The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay. It's a book that I read now in college and after college. I it really helped develop me as a person and just so those huge- Carnegie. Yes, Dale Carnegie. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. So that one, I also really like Hyper Sales Growth. That is by Jack Daly. Okay. That one's really good. A lot of these are sales related. The Ultimate Sales Machine, that one's really good. Okay. And Traction, that one's also really good. And then Atomic Habits.
0: Atomic Habits. Awesome. I'll find all of those titles and link them in our show notes for our listeners to grab a hold of. And I'm always intrigued about everyone reading books. So, I mean, I have a whole stack on my desk that I need to go through, but you're so, so right. I mean, keeping up to date and constantly learning is how we stay creative on a daily basis. So thank you so much for sharing that. Amanda, I wanted to ask you, what does the American dream mean to you?
1: I think I'm doing it and I'm living it, right? Starting something in this foreign land and being successful and just doing something you're passionate about. Like to me, that's what the American dream is. Mm-hmm. You get to do what you want and hopefully make some money yeah. <laughs> or make lots of money, right? That's yes. the American dream. Yeah, and America's so wonderful, right? We're blessed, especially in California, we're blessed with the wonderful weather and... The ample land, you know, just in general is so, is so nice here. We're grateful for everything that this country has to offer and what it has meant for me since I immigrated here with my family 30 years ago.
0: And what about volunteering? Do you give back or volunteer your time in any way? And is that something that is part of your business values?
1: Oh, yes. A hundred percent. So I I knew when I started my business and even when I didn't start my business, I was always involved with some kind of charity because I my mom is a big philanthropist or my parents are. But she volunteers a lot. Like in my memory, like she was a housewife, but she would always volunteer during the holidays. She would take us to Ronald McDonald House. She would take us to the orphanage to whether it's to, you know, pass out food there or just share. And, you know, seeing all those people made me also realize how blessed I was to be in the environment Mm -hmm. that my parents provided me. Like I I had a job before, but I had a job because I wanted to get a job, not because I had to get a job. I think it's very different. But my parents provided that for me. So I'm forever grateful but volunteering is something I'm passionate about. So I actually sat on various boards, Asian Business Association. I started out as a member 10 plus years ago and ended up on the board and served for about six years. And as well as Asian Pacific Community Fund. All these, you know, now I've been elevated to the advisory board position. Aww. And yeah, My current and most active, I'm on the EO board. So I'm part of the DEI chair. And I also sit on strategic advisor for the diversity advisor, as well as California Events Coalition. So, I mean, these are things I'm passionate about and I want to give back, right? For ABA, when I joined, I was a business owner and I just feel it was hard to start on your own. You know, I wish I found out about ABA much earlier in my business journey, but I found them later.
0: And Amanda, do you think entrepreneurship allowed you to serve on all these boards, to give back, to be involved in these nonprofit organizations? Do you think entrepreneurship allowed you to do that?
1: Yes, but I also think it's a choice because I make time for it. Okay. Right. So when I have to go board meeting, usually instead of going home or go out to dinner, I'm going to these board meetings right and then if I were to work work for a corporation like even sometimes these board meetings are during the day so I find myself working at nighttime just so I could go to the board meeting Aww. and that's why I say it's a choice right but it's a choice that I happily make and I go there feel like I make an impact because I realize business is business but that's not all who I am that's not it you know nice. for me it's business it's community it's family that is me
0: yes So powerful. Thank you. And so Amanda, what are some things you would advise the next aspiring immigrant that wants to start their own business?
1: Take that leap of faith and get into action. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the main difference is just that I took action versus just dreaming about the opportunity and just take a risk, but make sure it's a strategic risk. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and you have a strategic plan in place and know that if it doesn't work out, you, there are other paths. Right. So mm-hmm. I know tons of successful people that are not entrepreneurs that do so well in corporate America, you know, and then vice versa. There's some that are from corporate America and that just, you know, resigned and they started their own thing. And they're also very successful. So I do believe that everybody has their own path. And like my husband, my husband works for corporate America. He loves it. You know, he doesn't like I go to so many networking events, talk about the earlier journey when when I first started my business, other than the app, we went to so many networking events, I'll probably say five times a week. Wow. Yeah, a lot, because I want people to get to know me very fast.
0: (laughs) And do you think that helped you to grow your business?
1: Yes, to a certain capacity because I, I became well-known, right? And the, another advice I, I would say to do is to, like, when you get involved in different community or board, like, don't just go be a member. You can start as a member, but get more involved, do more, mm-hmm. right? And then that's when you really get to meet, like, the awesome people, Right. Because they're just like you. They also want to do more and give more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And it's even on EO. Right. So I started as a member and I joined the board and it's just a different kind of experience. Mm -hmm. So level up, I would say.
0: Yes. Yes, I love it. I love ending the show with Level Up. Amanda, thank you so, so much for coming on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. And oh my goodness, your journey is going to inspire so many of our listeners. Thank you for sharing all your experiences. And thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to see all of the successes that is going to come from your business in the future. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much again for having me on this show. Alrighty, guys.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. If there are any links that were mentioned in this episode, make sure to check them out on my website under this episode to find all the links conveniently located in the show notes. I just wanted to ask for a quick favor. If you could please leave a review wherever you're at listening to this podcast. Also, if you're an immigrant entrepreneur and would love to be on my podcast, please email me and we'll get connected. I'll see you guys all next time for another exciting and impactful episode. Take care.